A lesson from the second letter of St. Paul the Apostle to Timothy: "Dearly beloved, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word; be urgent in season and out of season; convince, rebuke and exhort; be unfailing in patience and in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be steady, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already on the point of being sacrificed; the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day; and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing." Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew: "In that time Jesus said to His disciples, You are the salt of the earth; but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden under foot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The Saving Words of the Gospel Today we celebrate the feast of St. Hilary of Poitiers. Uh, he died on the 13th of January in 367. He was a very great figure, very important for the, the conversion and the, the, the proper um, uh, defense of the Nicene faith in uh, Gaul, in France, modern-day France, especially the south. And uh, as well in the East, too. He had his time in the East, which uh, was a great benefit for him um, and for us. Uh, in the traditional calendar, uh, we celebrate his feast day today, on the 14th, instead of yesterday on the 13th, because yesterday would have been the octave of Epiphany. Remember, there were many more octaves once upon a time. And uh, eventually, by the time the 62 missile came along, there were only three octaves left. And um, then, of course, you know, comes the Novus Ordo and knocked out Pentecost, which is unfathomable, really. But you know, so so it happened. Um, in any event, uh, it was, yesterday was the octave of Epiphany, and so we had the commemoration of the baptism of the Lord. So we celebrate Hilary today. Uh, Hilary uh, came from a pagan family. Uh, he's a, he was a convert to the faith, along with his wife and daughter. So he eventually came to be so highly respected that he, they elected him to be the bishop of there in Poitiers, a married man with a, with a family, 
And um, he came into the, the, the Christian faith um, partly through the, the via of uh, Neoplatonism. Um, and Neoplatonic thought was a very important in the ancient world. It was also one of the, one of the ways by which Augustine uh, also shed some of his uh, stranger ideas, you know, from his Manichaean period and all that. And um, Augustine, as a matter of fact, uh, was known to say that they, that the Neoplatonists, they almost got it right. They, they, it's, I think the phrase that he used was, they lacked everything but the name of Christ. So um, there, there is a way in which it, it created a real bridge between that, uh, that philosophy and, and the Christian faith were for some. Um, he was a great defender of the Nicene faith. And at a, this was at a time when a lot of the secular rulers and even a lot of ecclesiastical figures were falling into the heresy of Arianism. Arianism is the heresy that believed that Christ the, was very, very great, but he was a creature. Um, the, the Arians thought that there was a time when Christ was not. And, um, of course, you know, that's, that's false. But uh, they, in doing, in trying to, in trying to defend the unicity of God and the greatness of the Father, they fell into the heresy on the other side of diminishing Christ improperly. So one of the things that that um, that Hillary did was defend Nicene faith in Christ from a Christological point of view. But he also wrote a very important work, the first Latin work about the Holy Trinity. So about the triune God, and uh, in he he fell foul of secular rulers where he was in in southern France, and and he wound up exiled. He was probably exiled in part because he refused to condemn Athanasius, who was also fighting Arians and got himself exiled a bunch of times. So off Hillary goes from southern France into the east, into Phrygia, and there he composed many works. Uh, he continued to govern his diocese uh, by mail, I guess, and uh, by post correspondence. Of course, at the time of the empire, uh, there was an extremely sophisticated uh, postal system. Uh, in any event, uh, Hillary was um, a great defender of Nicene faith also in the east, and he so kind of harassed heretical clergy and secular rulers to debate him uh, and eventually became so annoying to them that they re-exiled him back to his diocese in Poitiers. Um, of course, then he took with him the experience that he had in the East, especially his contact with the Alexandrian uh, school of, um, of thought. And uh, so he was, in a, in a bit, in a, in a way he was Kind of a fish out of water, uh, where he was. He he wound up being a Latin in the e in the Greek East, and then he brought this these Greek ideas back to Latin Gaul, and which also had its strong uh, Greek influences. Uh, nevertheless, um, he was he he acts sort of as a bridge between the two, and was a and was very eloquent in expressing the he was so eloquent that Jerome. Um, 
and this, this is something that Father Father John Hunnick uh, reminded me of uh, yesterday at his uh, exceptionally uh, amusing blog called Mutual Enrichment. You look up Hunnick, uh, it looks to a lot of Americanized like it's Hunwick, H-U-N-W-I-C-K-E, but uh, it's pronounced Hunnick. And um, uh, he, meant, he talks about Hillary yesterday in a, in a highly amusing post. And uh, he reminds uh, us that Jerome, uh, St. Jerome called Hillary the Rhone, the Rhone of eloquence, of Latin eloquence. The Rhone, of course, is the great river um, that flows down through, through Gaul. And uh, you might think about you know, wines that we have today, like Côte du Rhone and all that from the, from the banks of the Rhone, uh, the Rhone River. So it's a high, it's a great compliment coming from someone like Jerome, whose uh, old Latin was not anything to sniff at. Uh, so we have this uh, beautiful bridge figure in Hillary, um, who was a Latin in the East and then bringing Eastern thought back to the West. He composed hymns, um, as Ambrose did, expressing a, a Nicene Christological theology. And of course, hymns are a good way uh, to teach, uh, because they're catchy, they have a meter, and um, and they're beautiful, they're eloquent, and so people learn through through hymns. This was an important uh, process all along the way, especially in the uh, at the time of, for example, in the Protestant <laughs> revolt, they had their hymns that taught um, taught the people things um, by repetition and by song, and then the Catholics answered. Uh, for example, there was Ein Fester Burg ist unser Gott, the, the great, you know, uh, mighty fortress is our God that has you know, heresy in it, of course, a Protestant hymn, and uh, should never be sung in the Catholic Church. Uh, shame on those people who would who, who, who do that. And uh, on the other hand, Catholics would respond with something like, Grosser Gott, wir loben dich. Holy God, we praise thy name, and translated in English, which is just a kind of a reworking of the Te Deum. Um, but I digress. Anyway, today is the feast day of St. Hilary, and we, uh, we should invoke him um, to, uh, especially because he ran afoul of and suffered uh, by, from secular rulers because he wanted to defend the true faith of the church. Um, let's ask him today to pray for a weak-hearted weak need uh, uh, bishops today who need to have greater uh, strength um, and courage to uh, stand up to Catholic politicians who need to be corrected. And uh, there is one thing in here that, um, that there's a point in here in the, uh, in the gospel that I just, that just popped out at me for a second. I just, just want to mention it to you. Let your this is the this you are the salt of the earth you are the light you know candle you know lamp of the candle stand and all that uh, uh, from from Matthew five and it says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven not so that they will give glory to you but so that they will 
give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Remembering that we are images of the Father. Hilary wrote in his, I think it was in De Trinitate, in his work on the Trinity, that Christ from Christ was the perfect invisible image of the visible God. Of the invisible God. Christ is the perfect invisible image. The Son. Now I have to go back here from as we talk about Christ, that's in, that's in current, that's after the incarnation. Before the Son, the second person, is the perfect invisible image of the invisible God the Father. After the incarnation, Christ becomes the perfect visible image of the invisible Father. And we are made in the image and likeness of God. And so we look to the words and the deeds of Christ in order to know ourselves better, to know ourselves more perfectly. There's one, there's a, a line in the in paragraph 22 of the, the Second Vatican Council's document, Gaudium in Space, which puts this so very well that God came into the world to reveal man more fully to Himself. And so our our deeds and our words should also be a kind of light that illuminates not ourselves but the image of God that is in us, so that people give glory to the Father rather than to us. You know, when you, for example, you you see an image in a mirror, it's not the fantastic image in the mirror that's really you know interesting. That's just that's just a reflection. It's really the, the thing that's being reflected, the person being reflected that's important. And so I'll let all of our deeds redound to the glory of the Father. Dominus obisum, oremus, justus upamus lorebit sicut cedrus, quae in libero es, multiplicabitur, 